What's up, friends? Welcome back to Well That's Good Wednesday. Hope everybody is having a great week. I can promise you right now it is about to get better because I have a very special guest on the podcast today. She's actually a two-time guest on the Well That's Good podcast, and this time we get to talk about her new book. It's a memoir, All My Knotted Up Life. I'm telling you what, this came out yesterday by the time this uh, interview comes out, and I have been diving in, loving this book, and just so grateful that she wrote it. So welcome to the podcast, Miss Beth Moore. Sadie, I am absolutely thrilled to be with you. I thought it's Senior Adult Day on Sadie's <laughs> podcast. And <laughs> this senior adult is very happy to be with you. I can you tell are you that. Hilarious. You're hilarious. Well, hey, listen, I got to interview my grandma this week. I get to interview you this week. It's mm-hmm. it's senior week mm-hmm. on the Well Let's Go podcast. So. It's that kind of week. That kind of week. <laughs> well, I hey. am absolutely thrilled. It's a blessing to me. I'm so grateful. So, you know, typically I ask guests the best piece of advice, but you've done that on this podcast. So I thought I would ask you a different question to start off the podcast with. And this is actually just for you to tell a story that I think is so hilarious. It's your famous hairbrush story. But when it was like super famous, I was looking up on YouTube. This was like 12 years ago. (laughs) So some of my followers have never heard this. And I just think it's so great. So would you please tell us the hairbrush story? Yes, yes, I will. And I got to tell you when it was recorded, and clipped and then put on YouTube, that was even way after it happened. Really? So that's kind of a funny part of it for me because if we went back to when it happened, like some of these people that may be listening might not have been born yet. Wow. So this was years and years ago. I wish I could think just off the top of my head exactly how many years ago it would be, but I'm going to guess at... I'm going to say around 20 years ago, I was flying to, I believe it was Asheville, North Carolina. I was definitely flying uh, to the east from Houston and I was going, I had had a layover in Atlanta. You've you've done this route a number of times, no doubt in my mind, Sadie, where you go from a big plane in Atlanta to, if you're going to a, a smaller town or a smaller place, then you're going, you know, you're going all through the, the terminals. So you get to the smaller and smaller and smaller planes. And so yeah. I'm in this little area where, where we, we could have had, we could have been on one of any of four small planes. So it's just one area, but we're all sitting in it. And this one's going to this little town, this one, this one, this one, all of them are really, really small planes. And so I'm sitting there in the, in that part of the airport. And, you know, it's pretty packed with people because even though it's small planes, it's it's several flights. So we're pretty packed in that little room. And one of the things I remember best of all is that I was memorizing John chapter one. That's so this awesome. whole gorgeous, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. And oh, just the gorgeous, gorgeous part about him. Um, the word was made flesh and dwelling among us and we beheld his glory. So I'm, I'm very, very intent on what I'm doing. My face is very much in the scriptures. I keep looking down at it and then I try to say it looking up just in my in my head silently. And I'm sitting there in the airport 
waiting for my flight. And I see to the left side, I'm, I'm in one of those rows where there's several, several seats here, several seats there. And in the, in the peripheral vision, I can see that someone is being wheeled up at the end of my row. So several seats over the end of my row, I can see that someone's been wheeled up in, in a wheelchair and, and, and set there. And, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glancing that direction, but I don't want to stare and I'm working on my scriptures and the reason why the scriptures come into this is because sometimes when our face is in the scriptures, God is going to, you know, actually, I'd like for you to live out some of those scriptures right this minute instead of memorizing those scriptures. So I am very attentive to what I'm doing. And, and in, in a couple of moments, probably just seconds later, I'm a real people person. So I love, I love looking around me and, and, and seeing what's going on. And so I glanced down to my left and it was a, a, a man, honestly, Sadie, he looked 120. I don't, I don't know how to explain that, but he just, and really, really, really thin and his fingernails were, were oh really goodness. long and his hair was, it was, you know, gray and kind of wispy and really, really long and, and just tangled cl- clean. This, this guy was just, you know, it was, but it just was like, it was just <laughs> odd. It was just such an odd sight. And so, you know, I was like, well, don't stare. I mean, the, the, the nails threw me off and then the hair threw me off. And I was like, you know, just do what you're doing. Well, you know how, I don't know how many people listening to us um, may be new to this kind of terminology, but when the Holy Spirit is just tugging you to do something yep. inside you because his spirit dwells in us and he's just trying to get our attention yep. to do something that we're just trying to resist. But I just have this overwhelming feeling, this overwhelming feeling that I am just drawn to this old man. I mean, in a way that I can that I know is the Holy Spirit because I'm knowing my natural person is going like, <laughs> oh no, no, I'm busy here. I'm busy here. I'm busy memorizing my scriptures. Well, I, I finally, I can't, I can't resist it. And I begin having this, this mental dialogue. So a silent dialogue with the Lord, because, you know, I'm sensing him pressing me, go over to that man, go over to that man, go over to that man, not in words, but in in an impression. I mean, I am certain of it, but I'm like, it's too awkward. And there's too many people in here. And he's, he's drawing attention because he looks so different than you might have expected a, a man of that age to to look. And so I was just like inside my heart, I'm just arguing with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going like, Lord, you know, don't don't make me because I'm thinking, what what would an evangelical think right then? The Lord's gonna have me go share the gospel with that right, man. Right. He's gonna have me go share the gospel. So I'm, you know, I'm starting to panic. There's a lot of people there. I mean, I've certainly shared the gospel, but this was pretty listen, this was gonna be this was gonna make a scene. Right, right. So um I'm saying to the Holy Spirit, no, please don't make me, please don't make me, please don't make me each other go. You know, put put us on the same plane and I'll do I'll do it then. But I <laughs> I sense the Holy Spirit. This, I, I have got to tell you something, Sadie, because I have such mixed feelings about that video being on 
line like that because I have gotten as much criticism over it really? as I have gotten encouragement. Yes. And wow. see, I wouldn't have realized it because I was just used to a different way of talking because I said, and then the Lord spoke to me and I didn't mean out loud. I didn't see anything. I, I'll tr- just try to say in such an impression of the heart and you try to interpret yeah. it with your own language and vocabulary. Yeah. So I, it was like, I was saying to the Lord, Oh, you know, please don't make me witness to that man right now. Not, not right here. And I felt a very strong inclination from the Lord that he was going like, if I was to put it in words, it was like, Oh, I, I, I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. <laughs> And I mean, we're, and y'all, I don't know how to tell you that (laughs) I never on my own would have just thought up, I'm going to go, when someone says, how, why would you think that would be God? Because Because. my face is in the scriptures. I, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm just, I'm trying my hardest that day to walk with the Lord. And this thought is out of the blue. It's like, well, I walk over to him and I'll just try to narrow this down quickly, but I, I walk over to him and I'm having, oh, my heart's just pounding out of my chest. And so I have to walk down several people and I walk in front of him and I kind of kneel down toward him and I said, sir, oh, Sadie, when I look back on it, it's the craziest thing. Sir, may I have your permission? You know, because I'm a good, I have oh good gosh. manners where I was, may I have your permission to brush your hair? <laughs> And he's like, he leans forward, he says, what? And I said, I say a little louder, may I have permission to brush your hair? He says, little lady, if you want me to hear you, you're going to have to speak oh, no. up. Now I say at this volume, sir, may I have your permission to brush your hair? I want you to know that whole room went dead silent. Oh my God. Dead silent. Oh my gosh. He looked up at me and he was like, he was floored and I was floored. I was floored. <laughs> and he said, if you want to, and I'm thinking, no, I don't want to. But I was like, yes, I do want to. But here, this is such an embarrassing part of it. Cause I was like, but sir, I, I don't have a hairbrush. And, Cause it was in my luggage. And he says, there's one in my bag. And so we had a, wow. a small bag, like a carry on in the back of the wheelchair. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I unzip it and I'm, you know, I'm looking by his white undershirts. You know what I'm saying, Sadie? Yeah. Yeah. And now, now I can feel the emotion <laughs> in my throat. Cause this is the part that gets me every single time. And there's a brush and I stand up and I begin. The hair is completely clean, but he's been in a health crisis. Hmm. And he's been hospitalized in, in a small care hospital. He's going home, I, I learned later, but just no one has brushed his hair hmm. and it is knotted. I mean, it's just in knots. And, wow. you know, I was a mom of little girls at that point, And it was like, I don't know how to do a lot of things, hmm. but I know how to get knots out of hair. Wow. And I just stood behind him and I started real, real low like this on the very ends of his hair. You know, how your mother... Yeah. And grandmother would do this yeah. with you, Sadie, yeah. and then go a little bit high. And then brushing that man's hair, I don't know how long it took me. Wow. But I was so 
my heart so overflowed with love. Mm. I just, I forgot anybody else was in the room. And, um, and after I finished and it was just silky and beautiful, (laughs) I put it back and I I was long, it was long. (laughs) I, I come back and I sit right at his feet and put my hands on his hands. And I said, sir, do you know Jesus? And he said, Yes, I do. And I, it was so precious, Sadie, because, wow. you know, he already knew Jesus. He didn't yeah. need me to witness Jesus to him. He needed his hairbrush. He was mm-hmm. going home. He's going to see his wife for the first time in a long time. And um, he thought what a mess he looked like. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget it. Wow. And listen, I, so I've powerful. taken so much trash over that video, but I, I'll tell you what I've told the Lord wow. many, many times. And that's, I would rather be criticized mm-hmm. and not miss those opportunities than miss them. So Lord, right. as many hairbrush opportunities as you have for me, give them to me. That's so. Right. Thank you. I have not told that in so long. I am so glad you you did tell it. And I would have never guessed you got criticism on that because when I heard it, I loved it so much because I've been in those situations before where I'm arguing with God. I'm like, I am not doing that. And it's like, I cannot. And it's like, yes, it's hard to explain because it's not like an audible voice, but it's so undeniably there. And it's so So clear foreign to what you know you would do. It's like, I would not brush this man's hair. And so it honestly resonated so much with me. And I loved it so much. And Honestly, I wanted you to tell that story too because you are such a good storyteller and it is so fun to listen to your stories and that's why this genre that you've now introduced me to of memoirs and storytelling has just been so amazing to read because you tell your story in such a beautiful way. I wanted to read this part of the book though because I knew I was starting off with a really spiritual moment where you said not maybe everybody might not understand that but I love this and you're talking about the first time you really sense the Lord's presence on calling you to do something you're at that camp and you say it was right there at the sink I sense the Lord's presence I love this you said I didn't see anything I didn't hear anything no thunder no heat no light no still small voice no finger writing in the seam of the mirror facing me which was hilarious no my toothbrush didn't levitate the hair on my head didn't stand on its end I didn't see a vision I didn't manifest a certain spiritual gifting or as I recall say a word and you go on to say all I have to go on is the conviction of an 18 year old to whom the to whom the sense of God's presence was intense enough to make her grip both sides of the sink until the moment passed. And yes. I just love that yes. so much because I think that sometimes we think it has to be these big, huge moments with yes. God where it does thunder and the lightning and it was written in the clouds because we hear these other stories that are so cool like that. But I just think it's really powerful that when you really felt the Lord calling you into what you would eventually continue to do for years and years later was really just a really simple moment of feeling his presence. Truly, it couldn't have been simpler. And I, I've said a number of times, you know, if, if I were going to make up a scene, it certainly would not have been at a sink hmm. with the smell of chlorine from the toilet <laughs> behind me. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and the shower dripping with the molded right. uh, shower curtain. It, it would have been a totally different situation. But right. one of the things I love that is, and I love that you're speaking to this because you are at the age and then speak to the age to even the years coming up behind you where it's so important for people to hear this that have a heart for God, but think that 
a calling is supposed to look a certain way because you search Genesis to Revelation and you won't find it looking one particular way. Take, for instance, John 1. Jesus has two of John's disciples, and I'm talking about that have followed John the Baptist. They, They are following Jesus. He turns around and he says to them, you know, what is it that you're seeking? Then some of them go get some some of the others and bring them. So at times it was straight out. He went to them and said, you follow me. Other times yeah. it was like they just ended up following him. Yeah. But that he had orchestrated that. Other times they brought that person to him. Yeah. The, it, it looks, you can't it's find good. a certain way and a certain setting that it that it uh, could become clear to you in. And that's so important that we know that he reserves the right to be very individual with you in the way he calls you. I love that. That's so good. We definitely need to hear that for sure. That is something that I preach about all the time because I do feel like we put so much pressure on like what our calling is supposed to look like whenever I love how simple you say it. It's like, it's not, it's individual, you know, it's going to happen. It could happen at a sink. It could happen in an airport. It could happen anywhere where you just sense the presence of God calling you to something. So I I love that. And I love that you talk about that in the book. And I want to ask you, so you did choose to write a memoir. You did choose to tell your story. And a lot of the things in here are really hard parts of your story that you never shared before. And so why now and why in this way, Mm -hmm. what led you to Mm -hmm. want to write it? You know, I told the part of my testimony that I had been abused in childhood all the way from the beginning, from the very first book I ever wrote. Now, that book uh, is not even available. It was something that was self-published. It was dumb, but it was important to me to say in writing the very first time anything would be out there, this is part of my story. And, and, And the reason it was is, Sadie, I felt like that that my testimony the way that I came into the things of the faith and the way that Jesus became life and breath and healing to me couldn't be understood very well without that piece of it, that it was so big. And I didn't tell any of the graphics. I was, yeah. and I, I don't tell graphics in this book, but I do identify how it happened and, and who it was and that it was within, uh, it was someone within my, my family, which is devastating. When a protector becomes a perpetrator the damage to that, the damage to a person's boundaries is just almost incalculable. But so I've told it all along. Um, also because Sadie, I, I made such foolish decisions in my adolescence and then my young womanhood that were so instilled in me by such messed up, uh, views of myself and my worth and yeah. and so many things that I wanted to be able to say, I, I know what it's like to live in the bottom of a pit and you need to understand a little bit of how I got there and how yeah. how it all played out for me in such a devastating way. And then yeah. the goodness of God in the midst of it. But right. I wondered if there would come a time, this was well thought through. There were several years that would have moved into whether or not in my later years, I would want to share this part of my story. And the the reason why I did, reason why I got more specific is because I've ministered for many years to people 
men and women who in groups and sometimes small groups and sometimes with just a few, sometimes with women one on one. But I've I've ministered to people who have been abused and there is no kind of abuse that is not destructive and devastating. Let me say that. But when it is in your home, then your home becomes a place Mm -hmm. if you're young and you don't, Mm -hmm. most kids don't go tell it. There's too much shame involved and there's too afraid of what what would happen. What would happen to my family if I told this? So your home becomes this whole shadow place that you try to keep hidden. And I literally, I tell the story in the book of, of living right across the street from high school. Mm. And somebody's going to be able to understand this. Even if you don't have a background of abuse, it may be something else in your home. It may be that there's someone with a, a very serious kind of um, of emotional problem or addiction. Right. There may be a mental illness, which of course is never anyone's fault that is in your home that that causes a number of dynamics to be uh, different than you may feel like others are. But I can, I would walk out the front door of my home. My high school would be right across the street. Mm. I mean, maybe, maybe 250 steps mm. from my front door, but I would make a mental switch all the way over wow. that I had to go from someone who felt such darkness wow. and such shame and had so many secrets in a home of so many secrets that I would have to put all of that somehow to the side and walk through that school and be somebody different. And it's just, I don't know. I think there's something in you that really got, that God gives us created in his image that we want to be known for for who we really are. And that, and to not, to not be able to ever say, this is what happened to me. And this is what happened to me in my home. And And uh, this was the impression that it left on me. I think that leaves something lacking. And in my older years, you know, it was kind of like, why at this point would I not take the opportunity to say, if you have been molested or sexually abused within your own family, by your own flesh and blood, and perhaps even by a parent, may I say to you, I understand. And may Mm -hmm. I say to you that there is nothing, nothing that would cause Christ to withdraw from you Mm -hmm. or for you to be too unclean for him. Mm -hmm. He loves you so much and he wants to take that shame off of you that Mm -hmm. does not belong on you and is not on you off of you and off the burden of your life. So wow. um, it, it was important to me and it was time. It wow. was time. Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, just thank you for doing that. And even for what you just said, because it makes me um, feel overwhelmed that I'm sure so many people are going to listen to this podcast and listen to what you just said. And that's going to start breaking chains off of people's lives. So. And um, it's crazy because even yesterday, my friends were texting about this podcast this morning and they were like, it's going to be a chain breaking podcast. It's going to be a chain breaking moment. And, and I believe that. Um, there's something you said in telling the story of the abuse. And it stuck out to me because I've never been abused by a family member or in my own home. But I had a situation that happened to me in life that I've shared in certain settings and never super publicly. But there was a moment where I was kind of on a date with this guy and things went south. Okay. But there was a moment and um, I felt like I 
it was kind of an abusive situation and I should have said something, but my mouth was like shut. Like I froze. Right. And you talk about that right. in the book that your mind was like screaming, but your mouth was like shut silent. And it right. made me think about what happened to me. And I remember after that happened, I went to a friend because I was so devastated. And I was like, I felt like paralyzed. I, I didn't even get out yes. of bed the next day. It was like, it was just really tough. And I just said, I don't know what just happened to me. And I shared. And she said, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you stop it? And mm -hmm. I said, I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't. And the way that she responded, it, she would have never intended for it, but it made me feel like, why didn't I say something? And then I felt like so much shame for that. And so a couple yes. of months went by, you know, before I shared that with anybody else, because I was like, well, I'm embarrassed that I didn't do the right thing. Like I should have stopped. Yes. I should have said something. It was my fault. It was my, it was fault. my fault. Like I should yes. have done something. Yes. And I, and I, you know, have worked through that, but to the people who have experienced that, because if you and I are two people who have had this similar moment of your mind is screaming, but your mouth is frozen and they're yes. dealing with that shame of, you know, I should have said something or whatever, or even just looking back at that and saying, what happened there? You know, can you speak to that a little bit? And, oh, because Sadie, I feel like there's probably I, a lot of people listening who have had the same experience. Okay. I, I got to tell you, I, I am astonished right this moment that in in all of these interviews that you would be the one to press in to this i mean i've talked about it a, a number of times but i mean that you would bring up this particular thing because wow. let me tell you something I, i'm 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 so proud of you uh for that kind of courage but, but this is so important and i i just pray with all of my heart that god will minister through this because i want 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 our listeners and our viewers to really let this settle in that we know at least one in four statistics are that those that those that own up to it one in four women and one in six men have been abused at in in some way sexually um in their in their growing up years now if we take that statistic and we put it into now i, I want to say to somebody with all of my heart that what Sadie just described is classic it is the more common response. It is a shutdown. And it's that way of feeling that you feel overpowered. She used a word, and I'm talking now to our, our listeners and viewers, Sadie, you used a word that was so important when you said you felt paralyzed. And that's exactly it. You feel like you can't move. I have heard this hundreds and hundreds of times. I have read it over and over again. I I would venture to say to you, I'm not an expert, but I, by no means am I an expert, but I am in conversations about this kind of thing on an ongoing basis. And I'm going to tell you that it is described more often than not. Wow. And even if we put it in the context where it was um, someone in a situation that's when they've had um, abuse in a church by, uh, by a pastor or someone in ministry. Um, it, it could be a young man that would say the same thing if a pastor somehow came onto him or abused him where he would say, but I felt paralyzed all over the, sh the shock of it, the not knowing what to do, the fear of it. Um, it is, it's so, so common. So, man, do we really need you to get it 
off your mind that you have done something terrible and that you caused it to happen because all you'd have had to do was speak up and say something. That simply is not how this goes. Mm -hmm. There is that, that freezing and that not knowing how to handle it. And that it is, it is a differential of power. It would, it feels that you have been Mm-hmm. overpowered and you are threatened and you freeze. Yeah. And that is just going to be the case more often than not. And so, man, I pray somebody is set free by that. And yeah. I know that only really opens the door to begin the healing, but it's got to start there where you have to know you have to know you are not the only one yeah. that people, when you've been through something like that and when you can describe a situation like that and you think, if I had only, if I had only, if I had only, mm-hmm. most people that have been in that situation reacted exactly the same way because it is just paralyzing, yep. just paralyzing. Yep. That's so so I'm, I can't believe we got to talk about this today, Sadie. I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm super thankful. I'm, when I read that, it was like, wow, like, because I don't talk about this a lot. And so it was actually really, um, that's what I think your book's going to do to so many people. It's going to free them from saying, whoa, I've been there. I get that. I've experienced that. And then to see where you're at now I go, and I have hope, you know, to come out of that, you know, not that it won't yes. always be something that you look back on and and it's painful because it's hard and it's sad and that's terrible. But at the same time that, you know, look at what God has done in your life. Look at where God has brought you. Look at what he's done. Yes. I think that's really cool. And Oh, I want to say, I want to say one thing because I think a very good question that comes into play here. I try to think what, you know, I'm a teacher. So I try to think constantly what people in my class would want to ask. Mm Right now, and I think somebody might want to say to you and me, if they were talking with us on this podcast, okay, what then does healing look like? What does because I'm I'm never going to forget it, am I, Beth? No, I haven't. I certainly haven't forgot mine. Yeah, uh, I I can't imagine unless I for some reason don't have my right mind about me <laughs> that even the year that last year of my life that that some of those scenes won't go through my head at times, and that I won't, you know, of course, of course, remember what happened to me in my childhood and who brought that hurt to me. But this is what I want to say to you: don't don't think of that as like never thinking about it is healing. That's, that's, that's not it. Remember the Lord is about renewing our minds. So it's about, I think a new way about it. Not that I never think about it. We can't just like, I'm not going to think about that ever again. Cause then we're all in wrapped up in the cycle of, I'm trying not to think about it. So I'm thinking about it constantly. Yeah. That's not it, but it's coming to a place where God brings us and really only God can. Now I, he, I believe in really good professional trauma-informed um, therapy. Um, and so please hear me say that. But I'm talking about when God gets way in there and begins breaking us loose of the things that have held us. Here is what you're after. To me, freedom is that it no longer empowers me, that yes. my, my abuse no longer empowers my decisions. It yes. no longer informs my decisions. That there comes a time, Sadie, after what you and I have both described, Different situations, different, um, one in a situation of a date, the other with, with a family member and a home that should have been my protector. Yep. In both of these situations, 
um, having been overpowered by something, yep. it is then that the power of Christ overcomes it. That's right. So think about this with me. It means that years later, and I tell of something that happens years later in a situation where after I had felt silenced and completely frozen, I was like, oh, I'm not silent anymore. Hmm. I'm not that anymore. And mm-hmm. I can say now, oh no, I draw this line with you. Yep. I draw this line with you. It is is no longer being where it makes the decisions for you. Yep. Because if if we don't get healing, then it makes those kinds of, de- it, it informs decisions that we'll make all the way along the way in all of these relationships. And, and you'll find yourself, I'm, I'm speaking to someone right now who is single. You may have noticed if you have a really unhealthy place in your heart that you keep picking the same kind of guy, yeah. or I'll say for guys listening, the same kind of girl over and over again, somebody really destructive and really, that really really is, is dark somehow. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, this is what breaks that chain when we begin to let the Lord really get through to us and, and, and we're able to think, you know what, that no longer empowers me. It's good. Um, God has uh, brought me out of that and That's I'm good. no longer held by it. I'm so glad you said that. I really am. Because when I think about me walking through the healing of that, there were so many different layers to that, right? I think that you can continue healing through different conversations you have through different moments with the Lord. And I did go to counseling and that was super helpful and helped the initial start of it for sure. And then even just later getting to share that, um, with my husband and, you know, him walking through that with me, that was super helpful and all of that. But one thing that was really powerful is I was studying something one day in scripture and it like just was like, whoa. And it it really shifted the way I thought about that situation because I had described that situation one time to somebody as it felt like when you get the wind knocked out of you, you know, it's such a shock and it's like, whoo, like I just lost my breath for a second there. Yes. And, you know, like I said, I laid in bed all the day the next day. I just was like, laid, you know? And so I was thinking about getting the wind knocked out of you. Well, I was reading about Jesus whenever he was being crucified, and it talks about how the way that he was crucified, what what it was ultimately bringing him to in the way that he died is he couldn't catch his breath. It was like getting the wind knocked out of him. It was like, and when I read that, it's like, it literally took that pain away in, in so many degrees of it because I was like, Jesus got the wind knocked out of him, knocked literally. out of him. And because he did that and because he died that death, but then resurrected days later, it, it gives me the hope that like I'm in that resurrection story. Like I'm in the story of the redemption. I'm in the story of glory to glory. I'm in the story of eternal life. And so I was like, man, like, you know, sometimes you do get the wind knocked out of you and it is yes, so hard, do. but knowing that we have a savior yes. who relates to getting the wind knocked out of him and then giving us the hope that you actually can get back up because you're not getting back yes. up with your breath. You're getting back up with the wind of his spirit. Like it yes. changed that everything right for there. me. That is a word if I have ever heard it. That is so profound. I've never thought of that particular, of course, about him not 
you know, having uh, struggling to yeah. breathe yeah. on the cross and the suffocation of of crucifixion. Yeah. But for all the times that we had the breath knocked out of us, and I love that you brought up that we we have we have the breath of the Holy Spirit because yeah. truly that's what that word means in yeah. Hebrew and in Greek both. That cool. one of the definitions, one of the synonyms is in our English is breath that He cool. breathes it back into us and and brings us back to life. It's and so good. I just can't think of anything more important to know than that, that there's just nothing, nothing that has, I want to say this to you because some of you listening have thought these very words to yourself, these very words, nothing has ruined you. Mm. We'll, we'll think to ourselves, I, I'm, I'm ruined now. I'm ruined now. Mm-hmm. And even uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, he got a glimpse of of, of, you know, vision of God seated on the throne. He went, I'm, I'm ruined now. I'm just, I'm ruined now. And of course God uh, reaches out and, and touches him through the, the coal uh, from with the tongs on the altar and, and says, I've made atonement for you. There's nothing, not even anything you did yourself say that it wasn't victimization because we're Sadie's and my life, we're our life. Um, Sadie really differs is, is what would have happened from there. Mm -hmm. I made so many mistakes. You, you did not go down that same path, Mm -hmm. but even those things that I was not victimized by, but I then brought on myself, even that the cross is big enough. There's nothing you can do. You are not ruined by anything that has happened to you. So good. I'm so glad you said that. I saw the most beautiful visual of this last week, um, which by the time this will come out, it will have been a few months ago, but I um, got to go to a prison last week uh, for God Behind Bars and got to speak to these women and asked the people at the prison and said, can we do baptisms after? And they said, sure, we actually have a baptism tag. I said, amazing. This is going to be great. So preach this message, do a call for baptism. And we had 41 women get baptized and baptizing the women, worshiping. And this one woman comes and she sits in the baptismal tank, and she looks up at me, and she has tattoos all over her body, but one tattoo in particular, it was in big letters right over her eyebrow, and it said, Rotten. And um, this, it was just, it was really an amazing sight because it said Rotten on her physically, but we knew you're about to get washed, you know, clean. Like, you're a new creation when you come out of the water. And the older woman standing beside me, she looked at her, and she said, I don't believe that for a second. And she kind of looked at her with tears in her eyes. And I said, no, I said, today you are pure. And she just started weeping. And it was the most beautiful thing because like it was showing that, yes, she's made mistakes, you know, like there's mistakes in the natural, but in the spiritual, she is white as snow, you know, like she made clean. She might have used to be known as rotten, but she is pure, like before the Lord. She is pure. It was so good. So just as you're talking, I'm like, that is so true. And I just got to witness that with my own eyes, like such a visual representation of what that looks like. Like you didn't ruin your life. You are not rotten. Like the Lord does not see you as that. He sees you as made new. And so I love that you shared that. That's that's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. Um, I was thinking to myself, you know, you could just see that words with with that R just redeemed, redeemed. Uh, Maybe she can get a change. I just, I love what a beautiful story. I will think about that often because we do, even if we've never had words tattooed on us, 
we still feel like they're obvious That's to true. everyone else. Yep. As I was growing up, I thought they can tell unclean, unclean, yep. unclean. They can they can look at yep. me and, and tell. And um, that just, this is what Jesus breaks us out of. Yeah, it's just, so true. he's, you know, you are made clean. It's powerful. Um, you share in the book this this quote that really got me. And you're talking about the time of your life when in your adolescent years, after all this had happened to you, the four years of your family walking through just really devastating hard times. And then you yes. chose some you know decisions that didn't really represent who you were. And you said, yes. the only thing that terrified me more than getting caught was nobody caring enough to catch me. And that was such a powerful line. And I thought, you know, I feel like so many people feel this way. The majority of our listeners are college students. And I feel like um, a lot of college students out there are choosing to make decisions that are probably not, you know, what they were raised to believe. Their morals are a little bit crazy right now. They probably don't want to get cut, but more than not getting cut, I think it's more the fear that, you know, they won't and they're still going to live the life that they're living right now, um, sensing that this is not who I am. This is not because I I feel like when I've talked to most people that are living a life like this, there's no peace in it. You know, it's like you're you're disturbed by the fact that this is not actually the way I want to live my life. And so to that person who's in this lifestyle, who's living a wild life and, you know, it's kind of that, what if nobody catches me doing this? How can you, without somebody else calling you out, come to the revelation yourself of, I just need to get out of this? Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. And I I love that we're addressing this because this was me. This was me. So many foolish decisions. And there were opportunities. Like I tell a story in there when I realized that my father knew what kind of trouble I was getting into and did nothing to stop it. In fact, it appeared that he just really um, enjoyed it. And I I hate to put it that way, but I just need to be blunt about that. My mother, on the other hand, I I want to speak to this because somebody knows what I'm talking about. And it might not have been your mother. It might not have been a sister. It might not have been anyone who all at all who said it to you, but you might've felt it. It might've been a friend, but I can remember. So my mother reacts the opposite way because I'm showing all sorts of signs. No one's asking me what happened to me, but I'm showing all sorts of signs of trauma, making very, very bad decisions. And my, my mom who loved me very much, but she was just, she just didn't know what to do with me. She said to me one day, um, after finding me in a situation, uh, that was very unfortunate. She said to me, you're going to be pregnant by the time you're 16 years old. Hmm. And Sadie, I remember I was so astonished. And I, I don't recall how I answered her, but you know how I wanted to answer her. Mm. I wanted to say to her, "What? Then why don't you help me?" Yeah, I I was in a cycle that I could not get out of, mm. and so I hope so much somebody's listening today that goes, "Beth, that is me." Mm. I you know I don't I don't know why. I keep making these same decisions. I have a heart for God. Well, let me say something to you. Something is is bruised or broken or wounded. Something, there's something, there may be something in you that says, if I don't do this, this is all I have to offer. If I don't do this, I, 
no, nobody will want me. Nobody yeah. will desire me. This is all I'm worth. Yeah. And so that step began. So let me say to you, it's good. man, I care. I care. And not only do I care, I have been there. I have made those kind of decisions. And I want to tell you that you may think to yourself, I may as well keep this up because this is all I'm ever going to be like. That is not true. That mm-hmm. is not true. Yep. Do you, I'm going to say this to somebody and I'm going to let you, you guys look it up and see the story for yourself. But this is gorgeous, gorgeous scene in John chapter four, where Jesus meets with a Samaritan woman who mm-hmm. has had all of these relationships. And she just, in my, in my thought, she just keeps having, picking or getting in, maybe she's not picking at all. She's getting picked for her, but she's yeah. in a situation where in one bad relationship after another. And what is so crazy is that after Jesus has that encounter with her, it says that she drops that water jar that she'd come for water. Hmm. She drops the water jar. She runs back into town and she said, come and meet a man who told, who knew everything I'd ever done. Hmm. Let me tell you, this is why no one else is like Jesus, because I want you to imagine with me, especially if you have my kind of background and whoever I'm talking to today, your background is not worse than mine was. You may think, well, I bet you don't, but you don't have any idea, but oh, Let me tell you something. (laughs) I have been there and I'm saying, what kind of savior is this that you would be able to say that he knew everything you had ever done and that somehow in your encounter with him, he gave you dignity instead of taking it from you. She returned. It kills me. She returns back to town. She's been exposed in every way. But because she was exposed by the light himself, by the light of Jesus Christ himself, that light was healing. It gave her dignity. I want you to know you've got dignity in Jesus today. I don't care what kind of trap you've been in. And just ask him, Lord, I just would you redeem what's already too late, what's already back there? But now would you take me today? And would you walk with me? Would you help me, Lord, to make the kinds of decisions that Mm. will build me up in my spirit instead of tear me down, that show that I am worthy, Lord, Mm. to be loved in who I am and not what I can perform for someone sexually or, or for something I could drink or consume or, or, um, have transform me into a more destructive person. Lord, heal me and let that journey start today. Wow. Come on. This is like, this is church right here. I'm so thankful that you're going there. I'm so thankful you're speaking directly to the person because you keep saying, I'm speaking to the person. I'm like, you are speaking to the person and there's someone listening right now and you know, this is for you and it is for you. And so take it personally. I love how we started this by saying God works so individually. And I know that God is doing that right now through so many people listening to this podcast. This is an individual encounter, exactly what you've been needing to hear. And so receive it. Um, Gosh, there's so much. I have to just stop for a second and remind everybody once again to go get this book because there's so much I want to say and we're already 45 minutes in. So I'll begin to to ask you just a few last things, but 
Go get the book. There's so, so much in here. If, if this isn't speaking to you, you got 280 pages to speak to you. So, so <laughs> grateful for that. Um, I want to talk about marriage for a second. You've been married for mm-hmm. how long? 45 years? Uh, 44 years. 44 it, years. we're taping this, I am about two weeks away from celebrating 44 years with Keith Moore. That so, is awesome. Yes, ma'am. Well, congratulations. Thank you for that. Well, I can't Thank interview you someone who's been married 44 years and not ask for some marriage advice. So I got to ask for some marriage advice. And I just got to say, um, I love that you talk about the hard things in marriage in the book too. And I think it's a huge inspiration that, you know, y'all share some of the hard things you walked through and here you are 44 yes. years in committed. And you even talk about your parents, like 50th year uh, wedding anniversary and how, you know, y'all's family just, y'all seem like a family who commits and it's very inspiring. And so give, give me three years into marriage, some marriage advice Mm -hmm. for just committing and staying the course. Do you know, I, I very rarely think that a, a word, a minute's advice is very helpful, except in a case like this, (laughs) I think I really can tell you something that we have done that is very, very game changing. Mm. And that is that we have been willing to fall back in love over and over again. And so I, you know, at all the times that we go, could you have 30 seconds? Could you just say, well, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that that life transforming things come that quick, but this is an exception because I do believe that if somebody just said, especially if both people in that couple, man and woman come before the Lord and just go, just make me willing because the heart, you know, we just go through a lot, a lifetime's a long time to spend with a person and we're, we change, you know, in, in all sorts Mm -hmm. of ways. So it's like, do I, do I, do I still love this person? And, you know, it's, and, and for us who are in Christ and want to be faithful to our, our, spouse and want to be faithful to the Lord. It's like, didn't I want to, I need to love this one. I need to love this one. I think Keith and I both came to a place where we go, whoever this is right now, this is not someone I love at all. And it was like, you know what? I'm, 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 I came to a point, Sadie, and I sort of <laughs> refer to this in the book where it's like, I'll live with him. I'll stay with him, but I am never going to love him again because love wow. makes you vulnerable. But yeah. it's after a while, you know, it's like, no, Lord, um, give it, give it to us again. And I just think, I think that we'd be surprised to know how stone cold, hard Hmm. a heart can get and still heat up again. Wow. That is so good. That is so powerful. Such an encouraging word. I know so many people out there, married couples listening to this together, maybe you're going through uh, a tough season of life and you can't see how you're going to get to the next, but I think that's the best encouragement you can get right there. That's so good. Um, I don't know if you know this, that I'm actually pregnant with baby number two. and we I'm are- so happy for you. Yes. I was going to ask yes. you about your sweet family. I'm so, yes. so happy to Thank know that. Thank you. So we are expecting another little girl. So I'll have two girls, and I know <sighs> you got to raise two girls, and I'm super I excited. Did. I'm so excited for sisters. And um, one thing I want to ask, because I know a lot of people are also in this boat, 
boat of things of working mom and that, you know, kind of guilt of like, I want to work and do all the things that God's called me to do, but I also have two kids and how do I do both yes. and how do I do both well? So I had to pick your brain about that before we go, because I'm about to step into that season of having two little girls and watching yes. you do what you've done is very inspiring to me because I'm like, okay, you can do it. Yes. Yes. And Sadie, the thing about it is, of course, we can't do everything. So we got to let that go. None of us can do a thousand things to the glory of God, but we can do a few. And so those things were so important to me. And it means that you're making some decisions that that you're not going to do other things so that you can do these things. And by that, I mean, it's not like nothing took a beating in my life. When I, when I said, this is what I want to do. I want to be faithful to God in my home. And I want to be faithful to God in the ministry that he's called me both in my home and outside my home. But what it meant was that I had for many, 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 many years, I don't know much of it now, but I just, I had, basically no social life. And I'm not, I'm not recommending that. I'm just telling you. And it it was a loss. It was a loss. I had some friends that didn't, didn't make it through because it was like, boy, there's no way of getting in there. There's just, you know, she's just locked into that. But what I, what I can tell you is I just kept thinking over and over at the end of, of my life, what will be the things that I will have wish more than anything else I would have poured my life into. And I, I would, I would have said, I, you know, I would want my grandkids to know their real life grandmother and not somebody that, that uh, authored a book. I, yeah. I'd want my family to go. She was, that was our mom. That was my yeah. wife. Um, that was my aunt. Um, and I'd want to have fulfilled my calling in ministry outside my home. And I've, so I choose those things. And, Mm -hmm. um, so it meant letting go of a number of other things and getting it when you, when I can, I still love to meet up with a friend when, when I can, but that was the part of my life that really took a beating. And like, I didn't, I didn't get to have a hobby of any kind, but uh, I can tell you this, my daughters, those two little girls that you were talking about and thinking about your two little girls, um, they are my very, very best friends. That's awesome. And so that's what happens when they're all grown up. That's awesome. Uh, they are my very best friends. So I, I pray that for you, Sadie. That's awesome. Sadie, you Thank have blessed you. me so much, Shay. I want to tell you something before we get off of here, young lady. Yes. yes. I have had a lot of interviews about this book, and every single one of them has been enriching to me and such a wonderful opportunity. But I'm going to tell you, young woman of God, um, you ministered in a way through these themes and this material that I have not gotten to take part of in wow. all of these interviews. Wow. I, my, I honor you and you are doing the real thing and you keep doing it. Thank you. Gosh, you are mean, very welcome. That makes me teary. That means so much. I I care about this so much, and I truly woke up today saying, "God, thank you for trusting me with this story," because well, I I have been so ministered to through reading it and through uh, getting to prepare for this. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Sadie. My pleasure. God thank bless you and what you've been called to do. And I listen. Thank I am you. cheering you on. You've got the spirit all over you. 